Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. Body language expert Mark Bowden visits fraud busting today. He's been ranked the number one body language expert in the world. He's a peer of mine, and I was really excited to get to know him. He's fascinating. He's going to discuss exactly what we can learn from the Muppets that's going to change your perception of the world. And he'll dig into his truth plane system to reveal how you can use it to control and predict people's responses to you. And you'll learn why lying is the most important social skill you can have. Enjoy. Mark, thank you so much for coming on Fraud Busting. It's really an honor to, to have you on the show. It's great. It's great to be on a show called Fraud Busting. It's just <laughs> making me very, very nervous. Uh, I, I think I've, you know, got some kind of... Um, what, what do you call it when you when you feel you might be guilty of something and you don't know that you are and, and you're not? You kind of go, hang on, why am I on fraud busting? I didn't tell you what kind of show this was because we're going right. to bust everything you've ever done <laughs> today. Nice. Great, great. Yeah. I know you've been doing your research, so yeah, now I'm yeah. like, I'm knuckled down for the interrogation. Go mm -hmm, for it. Mm -hmm. So um, let's let's talk about how we got connected because we've bounced around, I think, yeah. a lot for the years. And and finally, um, I met some of your pals on the uh, behavior panel who are just great. fantastic. And, and then the Global Gurus list came out, which is a top 30 list of experts in the world, in this case, body language experts. No yeah. one knows how they no. do their criteria. And um, you came out number one. I came out I number 10. And I'm like, who is this guy and his really good TED talk that he did? I'm like, I need to know him. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. Yeah, Here we yeah. are. Yes, we don't know how that ranking is done. I always say, you know, if it's if it's in my favor, I think it's done in a very legitimate way. If it's not in my favor, then I'm really not sure that it that should any attention should be paid to it. Right. But I, I've been number number one three times on that. So, oh, I love so that. I, yeah, so I think it's a very legitimate um, top 10. Well, I got to figure out how to move up is what I need to do. So if you have any tips, I'm all ears. As number one, why would I tell you that? Why would I, <laughs> why would I, why would I ever do that? No, I'll, we'll, we'll chat about that for sure. Oh, yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, but you are like, um, I think for, for real, from the uh, things that I see put out there from you, like really classy body language expert um objective not an agenda with um any of your uh analysis that i've seen excellent excellent keynote speaker so yes. um let's talk about the things maybe that are harder to find about you let's talk uh, just just quickly what happened in 2003 does that does that um ring a bell for you gosh what happened in 2003 probably so much that helped Help me. Where are help you? you where are you trying you. to go? Where when are you trying I to say, go here? When I say Nike commercial. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's, no. Let's um, talk about that. 
Yeah. So in, in as you say, 2003, I'm, I'm taking your word for the date. Uh, in 2003, I was in a Nike commercial for the Super Bowl. So it was the Nike Super Bowl commercial. So pretty big in terms really? of commercial. I don't think you ever get any any bigger than a Nike commercial for the Super Bowl. And the idea for that was it's called the Streaker. You can go and find it. Just Google Nike Streaker and uh, I will come. And I streak on uh, Millwall football pitch very well-known football pitch in uh, in South London. Uh, I streak, and it was recorded, and it became a Nike commercial. Uh, I'll say no more about about because, you know, go and watch it. But, yeah, the interesting thing for me was it was about how do you reproduce that movement? What, what would a streaker look like if they were totally free? Uh-huh. That being part of Nike's brand, the idea of utter freedom, the, 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 the idea of being you know, a complete outsider from the group. So we filmed it at, at a football pitch with thousands of fans there and seven um, outside broadcast cameras, uh, football players, referees over four days. Four days. Uh, yeah, four days, four days filming. And yeah. So um, here's the question everyone's going to want to know. Were you actually naked? Because they, you, no, really. Yeah, you I were. absolutely naked, apart from the scarf. And the sneakers, I didn't even have, have any socks on. And that, that can chafe a little bit if you're mm. running yeah, for four days with no, no socks on. And they were tight shoes as well. The thing is, is to make them look really neat, mm-hmm. uh, you need them a size too small. So they look kind of super, super neat. And yeah, so, so running for four days in, in sneakers that are a size too small for me and a scarf. And, and that was... It. We did play around with the idea of, of being covered up uh-huh. in some in some way so that so we did do a take where I was covered up and they weren't going to pixelate it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, the, the area that you're maybe thinking of is pixelated in the, <laughs> in, in the final in the final broadcast of it. Um, and we did do one where I think I had a, a paper plate with a smiley face kind of strung. <laughs> strung there as an idea um just in case you know the brand decided that they didn't want to go with the pixelation and but it was very hard to run around for a day like like that in the end it's it's easier to run around totally naked in front of thousands of people though it is slightly psychological psychologically damaging i did go into after four days of it i literally came home and went into shock i sat in the bath and just started shaking. In the, really? In the, yeah, I, I went into shock. Yeah, it was, it was quite. Not only was it super cold, uh-huh. it was, it was super cold. Yeah, it doesn't there. look warm there at all. It's not warm. Well, it's England. It's not warm. Even even on a warm day, it's cold in England. It's yeah, damp. Yeah. So I was running for four days naked. Uh, I would run into the into the arms of of um, uh, a third assistant director who would have. A big a uh, jacket, like uh-huh. like um, ski jacket, full length ski jacket. I would run into that to stay warm. <laughs> uh, I had a, a a masseur who would who would between takes try and get my my limbs working again uh-huh. because it was four days of solid running. They would bring in different football teams. Okay. <laughs> I was the same. I was the same person running uh, each time. So it was hard, hard work. There was a lot of running. Like you were full, full field up the stairs, down the stairs. Oh, totally. It's a football pitch. It's a long yeah. way. And I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily an athlete. So, so it's, so it was a lot of running and 
and the poli- the stunt guys who are playing the police. You know, we wanted to get, if you'd seen the video, there's an end kind of tackle where yeah, he just misses uh-huh. my feet, which is a great shot. It's like, it's like just inches away that I escaped the tackle of the police. Well, in order to get that shot, you have to do it time and time again and get the one time that you escape uh-huh. from it. So most of the time I was being bang, taken down by a rugby playing oh guy in a police, which, and the ground is hard. Uh-huh. So it really hurts. It oh my God. really hurts. Like, so then um, how did you end up uh, doing this? Like, did, was there a casting call or did someone know you or what's... Um... Yeah, so I was I was known in the entertainment world of theatre, film, and TV. I was known in the in the, in that area of how do you choreograph, how do you help people, train people, and doing it myself in creating feelings from moving pictures. You know, I was I was very inserted into what we called at the at the at the time visual theatre. Mm-hmm. So and and and. Um, and also some of that filming where you see, you know, Jim Henson's Creature Shop, for example, where mm. you've got, you know, full body puppets. And yeah, I was in puppets, that yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Skin work, as, we, as we'd call it. Um, so, so I was very much inserted in that world. And I was obsessed with that world as a kid. I wrote my, my university dissertation on The Muppet Show. You so, did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Jim, okay, Henson, was a, Jim Henson was a list. massive influence on me. Huge influence. Jim Henson's uh, extraordinary person, not only just in what he created, on many levels of what, what Jim managed to, to create, the philosophy behind that, but also the skill. Here's the skill, and, and, and I was obsessed with this. How do you get a sock? Okay, how do you get a sock on your hand and so quick, because of the movement that you're making, so quickly trigger somebody's instinct, not only that it's not a sock and it's a living, you know, animal of some sort, but that it has human emotions. Imagine if you could do that instantly, just stick a stock, sock on your hand uh-huh. and move it in such a way that an audience would just go, well, that's a, that's a frog. And it's a frog that's sad. It's really sad, like I'm sad. Uh-huh. Or it's a frog that's really happy, like I'm happy, or, or, or a frog that's inquisitive. Like Jim could do that. And I was obsessed with that. Like, what is it that you know about movement that can trigger my instinct instantly with that? And that's really how I got into the nonverbal world. Mm-hmm. I was excited. I remember one particularly particular instance. And I was walking down the street and I and I just quickly like jumped almost into the road because because there was a some kind of I thought it was a snake or something like that or a uh, something anyway that was going to bite me like down at my feet uh-huh. through the streets of London and, and I looked and it was a paper bag blowing in the wind okay oh. but it had triggered my fight or flight instinct it had totally that 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 movement in the corner of my eye of a paper bag blowing in the wind had created through serendipity the right rhythm in my peripheral vision in order to trigger my instinct of predator below and I went what is that how does that instinct work what does it need to see to trigger predator uh, below predator above uh, friend in front predator behind like, what does it need? So I started investigating what is the movement, the rhythm? What does it need? What does the, the instinct need to see to get triggered with all these 
emotions and feelings. And that's where I got. And, and so then I got onto Henson, who was doing all of that, all of that, who understood that really, really well with Creature Shop and creating monsters, Monster Factory and, and creating things to fall in love with and things to be fearful of. So I got into this whole kind of fear, um, you know, approach and avoid response. And that's really where a lot of my work comes from is what do you need to do in order to trigger another human being into the approach or avoid response? Because right. that's happening all the oh, time. Wow. Oh, I love that. Anyway, I love as it. you can see, I'm obsessed and fascinated. With the Muppets. Area. Who knew? Who knew? The Muppets. Yeah. The Muppets. Now, okay. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, so anyway, you ended up being a streaker, like from that, which is yeah. like pretty great. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, Let's let, let's talk about more of your like uh, current work. <laughs> which, yeah. So you always say in your um, well, we can take this one of two ways because you always say like in your intros, you're like he he's worked with some of the leaders of the G seven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Can, are you at liberty to say much about that or um, no? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably already would have, you know, if I'll tell you a story about me streaking and that, and that I'm obsessed with the Muppet Show, do you think if I could tell you, you know, the leaders that, that I would just blurt it out? I think I probably would. So, so no, you can, look, if you go around the internet enough, mm-hmm. you'll probably, from some journalist articles, you can probably pick up some factual things that they put down there. I'm not going to put those got it those out there that's just not I I'm you know all kinds of things would happen if I did so so I'm so I'm not going to do that but it's not it's like most stuff it's not like the information isn't out there it is out there it's just you'll have to find it I'm not going to deliver it to you got there it you go. got it okay okay so let's talk about um because you've uh coined a system like yeah. the the plane system or the truth plane like let's, yeah. let's talk about that and how that can roll into lie detection and and, and go from there yeah okay so so here was the thing that that originally i did that was uh unique and that you can't get anywhere else in any other literature around nonverbal communication until i published uh, winning body language, which was the first book that I that I I wrote, and and this was the gesture plane system, mm-hmm. which suggests that it's a model that suggests that the horizontal height that your hands are at as you're speaking or as you're performing any kind of behaviors has a truly fundamental effect on the way that you're perceived in a predictable manner and the way that you start to perform yourself. It affects you and it affects others Mm -hmm. quite predictably. And so I I codified that system. Now, before that, nobody else in nonverbal communication had been thinking about that at all. I don't know why. Uh, It seemed really obvious to me. Uh, because of the world that I worked in, uh, but it hadn't, nobody else had really come across it. So just to, to kind of demonstrate that, if I pull away from the camera a little bit, and now I'm going to um, gesture to you, and as I'm speaking, I'm doing open palm gestures at exactly navel height. The, it doesn't really matter if I'm not doing open palm gestures. I could be doing any other kinds of signals or gestures, but the important thing is, is that your attention is being drawn to my stomach, to my navel area. Mm-hmm. And my guess is, is that it's giving you a prediction 
about me and about the feeling and intention that I have around my words. Now I'm going to bring my hands, same kind of gesture, open palm gestures, but they're now up at chest height. What I want you to notice and also listen to is what's happened differently in my voice already. Yeah, it's gone up. Right? Your pitch is gone. Yeah. And that is universal across the planet. It doesn't matter where you go. If you push people's hands up, you're going to see the pitch of their voice go up. Now they can try and cause the pitch of their voice to drop as I'm doing now, but it's really hard work for their body to do that um, and, it, and, it, and it becomes very incongruent and, and I'm now having to fight the incongruency of it because that's not how the body works as the hands go, get higher the pitch of the voice gets higher as the hands get lower the pitch changes and your perception of me changes and the levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide in my bloodstream change, and that changes the endocrine system. Uh -huh. and therefore, that's gonna change the, the, the way that some of my neurons are firing off right now. And again, this is predictable. Now, if I bring my hands up to mouth height, which is the, so by the way, um, uh, belly height, navel height is, is what I coined as the truth plane, chest height, the passion plane, below the belt line, the grotesque, plane again that has a very specific i'm now hanging my hands down in the grotesque plane sure and you'll notice uh, a very different uh feeling from me if i if i allow my uh my body to be open to the to the triggering system that happens there you'll notice a big difference so so imagine that I was somebody who naturally go, as most people do, naturally goes on to speak to an audience and they hang their hands down by their side because they're either in fight or flight or they're, they feel relaxed for some, for some reason. What do you think would happen if somebody like me just said, you're not gonna do that anymore. What you're gonna do is bring your hands up to navel height and you're gonna, I don't mind what you're saying and what else you're doing, that everything you do is gonna be from that truth plane there. Or I might say, at this point, I want you to bring your hands up to the passion plane because I know exactly what that's gonna do to an audience. I know that they will mirror you. And by mirroring you, their levels, and they'll do it unconsciously, <laughs> their levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide are gonna change in their bloodstream. Just as is happening to you right now as you're watching me, because I can see it happening in your face right now. <laughs> you quickly start to mirror me. And then we would look at, well, how can you then control that audience? How can you then totally be in control of their mirror neuron system and can even control their breathing around around mm -hmm. So you've got grotesque, truth, okay? Passion up at the chest, closure and disclosure around the mouth area, thoughts and different locations of thought around the head area and what we call, what I call the ecstatic plane, which is anything above the head. And once you know that vocabulary, you can get very specific results out of an audience and get them to oh, make yeah. predictions about you and control their predictions. So that's essentially what my book Winning Body Language is about, is how to control the meaning of you in other people's minds by using this gesture plane system and some other elements of, of that, some other frameworks that, that again, I, I coined as well, the table plane, the door frame, the wheel plane, that basically you can locate your body and your center of gravity to have a massive effect on the prediction system that other people have. There, there's my little rundown of that, Tracy. Oh, I love that. Okay, so let's talk about 
how are you using this out there? Like, are you working on investigations a lot? Are you working with sales teams more? Um, tell me about, about your clients and like, do you have any stories you can share about how you've used this or how, how some of your clients have, have uh, had some success? Yeah, sure. So, so look, the main amount of my work is about how you show up as a communicator mm-hmm. and how you influence and persuade and how you do that really economically. What is it? What are the simplest, most effective things you can do to get people to predict something about you and your content and therefore more likely be open to it? Mm-hmm. How do you trigger their theory of mind in a specific way so um so i i use that with all kinds of 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 clients whether it's entrepreneurs just with a a new idea uh whether it's uh, leaders of g7 who have to to lead a whole public down a certain route that they want them to go or convince other leaders in negotiations of of Mm -hmm. ideas that they have uh, so, so really, it, it's. I would say the main amount of work that I do is in sales and leadership. Mm-hmm. How do you change other people's behaviors by managing your own behavior, uh, but your own behavior in a way that you understand the vocabulary involved and you can paint with that vocabulary in a very predictive way it isn't I'm not talking about an art that's kind of postmodern and like hey you know I just do my thing and they can take out of it what they want no this is like I know the result I'm trying to get I know I only have a certain amount of resource to get that on I'm going to pick some people to talk to and mm-hmm. I'm going to take them to that result as quickly and effectively as I can that's the world that I tend to work in and I'm now you know almost exclude well I'm now totally exclusively at this point in time during COVID doing that via camera and that's a whole other world as well how does this lens work when it comes to that gesture plane system and everything else now at the same time just like you, I am fascinated with that idea of truth and lies. In fact, the last book that I wrote with Tracy Thompson is called Truth and Lies. I'm fascinated with this, this ideal that we have around truth and the yeah. ideal that we have around lies. Truth, very good. Lies, very bad. Very bad to lie. Very good to tell the truth. No, that's not that's not the complexity of the human world that we live in. Right. In fact, I would say lying is one of our most important social skills, as is telling the truth. The key is, is knowing which lies to tell and accept, because accepting a lie is a very important social skill. Accepting the truth is a very important social skill. What you need to know to fit in with the group is which lies to tell and accept and which li- which truths to tell and accept. Because if you do it wrong, you're not part of the group. Right. Okay. So let's, let's um, dig into that just a little right. bit, because it's going to change with every group that you're in. Right. Sure. And, and, sure. um, and lying is as old as, as humans, right? And it's also uh, the reason we're able to, uh, well, detecting lies, right, is one of the reasons we've been able to survive, I yeah. think, as a, as a species. So um, if, is there a structure that you have for which, li- which lies to accept, which lies to tell? Yeah. Uh, what's your thought on that? Yeah, so, you, so look, notice your, 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 bias there is detecting lies is why we've survived accepting lies 
is why we've survived as well. Okay. But notice the moral bias that you You're right, that you yeah, have. okay. And, okay. That, and that moral bias will be around, you know, the clients that you have. The clients that you have, my guess is, are going, when certain people tell these certain lies, it damages us and our group. So we want you to go and find those liars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so it damages, but does it damage everybody? No, it doesn't damage everybody. There's a whole bunch of lies that I d- just don't care about. Mm-hmm. You know, that an organization go, we want you to find this liar because they've been embezzling money and they're lying about it. It's like, what's that got to do with me? Like, I don't mm-hmm. care. Like, what, what's that? Got? Only has something to do with me when it affects my group. I'm a social mammal. I'm not part of every group. I'm part of some, but not all groups. And some of those groups matter more. And the ones that matter most to me, I will accept the lies, okay? And I will detect some of the lies better. Okay. So, so, but it's a, it's a balance of, of, of both. You've got to get the balance. If you go around, imagine somebody who's an exceptional lie detector in a group, and they call out every lie that they hear, everyone. How long do you think they stay in the group? It doesn't last but a couple of minutes. Yeah, that's right. They're done. <laughs> they're done. They're yeah. done because number one, they're just annoying. It's like, man, I'm just telling a story here. That was, I, I know, I know I exaggerated. I know that, you know, I embellished, but that's part of telling a great story and engaging everybody. Why? Because we're just having fun. Mm-hmm only having fun we're trying to make the day go by and if you if you don't know the difference between a fun lie for the group because a lie is a lie right i mean if you look at saint augustine's treatise on lying Mm -hmm. i think he goes through about 12 different types of lying and for him all of them are bad like all of them you're going to hell right you know he doesn't there's just some you're going to a worse part of hell oh (laughs) you know because yeah Yeah, but they're all they're all bad. Well, Saint Augustine, you are a monk. Like you only you're you're only living in a cloister, literally a cloistered environment. So you're not having to deal with the complexity that we're dealing with right now, and the complexity of you know, like you don't even have a wife and kids. Well, it's easy so, to be enlightened when you're in a live in a cave somewhere or whatever. <laughs> whatever else. Sure, it's e- if yeah. if you are if you are sociopathic, it's easy to be the most moral person in the room. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. all right. Because if I'm sociopathic, like everybody else is a worm and an amoeba, mm-hmm. and I'm the highest thing on the planet. Yeah. So, so it's easy, the more, sociopath, the, more in the, the more sociopathic environments I put myself in, the less you know, socially um, uh, complex they are, the more I think I'm at a godlike status of moral Ability. So people put these moral judgments around truth and lies rather than really understanding the social complexity of that system. So look, back to your point, what's my first system for detecting a lie? First system is, does, does it really matter? Like, who yep. cares? Yeah, who cares? Because if we're, if we're really, you know this as well as I do, Tracy, if we're really going to go in and detect a lie, it's going to be expensive. Oh yeah, cost. Yeah. So, so people ask me this all the time. They're like, "Don't you get tired out there?" And I'm like, "No, because the, I'm either on or I am off." And here, right. here is my 
criteria. One, do I care? Two, right. am I on the clock? Like who is paying the bill? Right. 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 And if, if both of those are, are no, then the answer is like, don't care. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now me, you know, you were talking earlier about, about uh, the behavior panel, yeah. you know, and we're doing, you know, we're producing sometimes two hours of us chatting about truth and lies and, and lie detection and truth detection. And, and you might go, well, you know, why are you doing that then? Cause we're having fun together. You know, because what else are we going to do? Who else oh, are we yeah. going to hang out with and do that kind of kind Yeah, of you thing? guys are fantastic. Let, let's give you like a little plug on that. So Behavior Panel yeah. is on YouTube. Yeah. And it's really the only place, I guess, that I've found like top law enforcement interrogators actually reviewing true crime uh, in snippets and yeah. and um absolutely fantastic totally top-notch love you guys make sure you tune in so but this is what you guys do anyway and uh and you just decided to record it one day or how did yeah how we did just decided to record it one day it's like covid hit and we're like well nobody's getting on a plane so yeah. we're all free we've yeah. all got more time let's just hang out because we would chat individually with each mm -hmm. other about you know like we've hung out and, and chatted yeah we've hung out and chat and then eventually you go like we're going here well why wouldn't why wouldn't we just record that because other people might be interested oh well, yeah. they might or they might not you know either you know you're listening to this and watching this right now and you're going this is super interesting or you've already gone yeah <laughs> you've already switched <laughs> go, what, what is this nonsense anyway we found that people were really interested in what we were what we were chatting about so we're doing it because it's we're talking we're detecting lies and truth because we think it's fun and we like talking to each other but if you wanted to engage us to do that on purpose let's like people engage you we'd have to go we'd have to say to you how important is this is understanding the the factual nature of this the truth and the lies of this to you mm -hmm. because it's going to take us it's going to be work to do it and that will cost you and so the result that you get the information that you get is that valuable enough for you to get this work done and sometimes people go yeah, I didn't know it would be that much. Well, yeah. And the result isn't that valuable to you then, is well, yeah. it? I've had people uh, like from the Making a Murderer, um, I guess they have like all kinds of clubs on uh, YouTube or on mm -hmm. Facebook and things like that. And they've reached out. They're like, can you do it? I'm like, okay, um, don't care. And it's right. gonna be ex you want me to watch a whole series and tell you what I think, like that is a lot of time. Right. <laughs> and I, it's going to be, because I don't care, it's going to be very expensive. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, and 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 so and, and so you lay down the price and they go, yeah, it's not that valuable yeah. to us. But, you know, we've all had situations where, where you go, well, there is, you know, there's the cost and people go, well, yeah, that's fine. Because the value oh, yeah. of the information is so important has such big ramifications you know oh yeah well get this okay so i did one and you'll get a kick out of this because um yeah. uh the pol you know politics and there was a um a case in a little a little town in new york but it was getting nasty and okay. one one guy was trying to uh, get the other guy out of office and yeah, yeah. he was running and he's like we got to prove that this guy's having an affair with this girl and all this and so John. He sends me the sends me the video, and I do a, a professional opinion letter on it. And then the radio the radio station calls me because somehow they get a hold of it. 
and it was the Somehow. radio station for the <laughs> other guy and they skewered me and oh, it was yeah. so bad that i was like okay i'm done with uh radio and politics like i am and i gave the guy like a good rate it wasn't that long of a video so the next and i was but i was like never again never right. and the next time someone called me similar kind of situation it was actually about a um a sheriff in Virginia who's running a sex trafficking ring and they right. want some analysis and, and they were going to do a TV on it. And I was like, I, I named this price that was so high. I was like, there's no way they're going to say yes. And they were like, Oh yeah, no problem. And right. <laughs> so, right. So then you see, then you see the value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, that's what I started to do. So my political price is very high now because I just don't want to deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the knives when they come, Mm-hmm. are from your own team and in your back yeah <laughs> the knives are not you, you, people look for the knives in front of them mm-hmm. they're not there that's not where it's coming from yeah you know yeah. as i tell my clients always the moment you're there for the photo opportunity or you're there speaking uh whoever your handler was wherever they put you for that look over your shoulder okay look at whoever you trust most who said just stand there uh-huh. okay Look, look over your shoulder, because when you get placed in, in a compromise, they're the ones who are going to do it yeah. to you. I guarantee. Oh, yeah. They're the ones. Now, so. now let's let's talk about that. So, uh, you know, people, I'm sure they engage you from time to time on, on these kinds of cases. Like, have you ever been wrong? Have you ever looked back and go, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have said that? Or how's, how's your um, what's your thought on I don't think I've ever been wrong. Maybe I'm circumspect enough to That's go. How I feel too. <laughs> to go. Look, here's what I think the here's what I think the opportunities are. Here's yeah. what I think because I'm trying to do critical thinking. That's mm-hmm. really what I'm doing. I'm not detecting. Look, Truth and Lies is not a book on body language. It's a book on critical thinking disguised as a book on body language. Oh, I love it. Okay. okay? So, it, it, and, you know, when the when uh, HarperCollins came to us and said, will you write a book on reading body language? I was like, no, because there's just so much done. good stuff out there. It's like, you know, you've got books, you know, Joe's got books, like good books. Mm-hmm. Like there's enough. There's enough out there. Um, uh, actually, I have to say, though, Scott, Scott Rouse, has has a great book handbook at the moment, Understanding Body Language, which in my view has the best illustrations of, of I'm trying to open up at an illustration. Just take my word for it. Oh yeah, Scott uh, is fantastic. He's been yeah, on the, the podcast, so people can listen to his um his uh interview and for sure yeah, get the book. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So best best illustrations. That's one of the best books that's come along when it came along this this year that I kind of went, well, that's useful. That's useful. In my mind, I was going, how am I going to write a useful book on body language right right now? So, so went back to them and said, I'm going to write a book on critical thinking disguised as a book on body language. It'll have all the stuff that you, you want in it. But what it's really about is how you can think more carefully about everything in front of you and look at the, um, at the predictability of what some of the possible outcomes are and then lay your bet because it's a complex world. It's not a simple world. Okay. 
So, so have I ever been wrong? I think I'm probably circumspect enough that I haven't been wrong. And the times I've been right have been right enough that I have a bias. Now I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna know that I have a bias. I'm gonna know that I have a have a bias. Well, like you one, know, you know, know, one piece. One just to follow up on that. One piece that we did on on a uh, the behavior panel. We actually we were on the Dr. Phil show yeah. about it as well. Uh, the guy on that that we uh, interviewed and interrogated and gave feedback to and then did a show on it as well, uh, was arrested just maybe the day, yesterday or the day before oh, yesterday, wow. which we predicted, look, there's only one way if he continues like this, because mm-hmm. he's there going, I, I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. You know, nothing going sure, on. You're not going, right. Okay. If this can c- continues, mm-hmm. okay, there is only one way that this is going. And you're getting arrested, okay? That's gonna happen. <laughs> well, wow, we just saw the pic, the film of him being walked out. Oh man, walked out the house the other day. Well, let's 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 talk about this because the time that I think I have been notably wrong, right, um, is really lately with the Meghan Markle uh, interview okay. with Oprah. And here is why I think I was I was wrong is because I I like Harry a lot and I like yeah. her a lot and I think they've gotten a bad shake and I also think that the of course there's some truth in there somewhere right with behavior and how things actually pan out but here's here's why is because maybe you get this cuz I think I do probably a lot more pop culture of body language mm-hmm. reads probably than you I and the state of reporting is so lazy out there drives me right. They will give me a headline and tell me to backfill it. And and the first time I said no, and the article went to someone else. And like, I want to be in the media. Sure, so the, yeah, second yeah. Time, the second time that this happened, I said, okay. And I just wrote whatever I wrote and sent it. It did not match the headline whatsoever. And they still printed it, right? So they're yeah. just looking for clickbait. And cool. so, I, so my heart goes out to them, I think, for that. And I didn't see, I watched that thing. I didn't see one ounce of deception in the whole thing because i'm so for them right that i actually had to go back through and um and and talk to talk about it with some with some people and i you know my opinion is different now right like yeah just, just based on that but at first i couldn't separate out like i couldn't be neutral going in so do you have any tips for folks who are looking or you know watching people more closely to create that non-biased situation as much as possible knowing that we're human and you can't get rid of all of it yeah yeah so well it's exactly what you said there tracy you are human and you have a bias mm-hmm. okay and if you if you're telling me now that you are you don't have a bias Okay, you are you're lying not only to me, but you're most likely lying to yourself. Because because you can't exist on this planet as a human being without having biases. Our whole, you know, I, I wake up every morning with the bias that gravity will still work. Now I know that's a like a pretty good bet. Right, okay, right. but it's still a bias. Okay. Now I'm only telling you that because it's a weird buy, a weird thing to tell you, just to go, just to let you know that your whole life is made up of, of bias, bias. Yeah. essentially. Otherwise you would have to critically think everything and you, your brain doesn't have the capacity to critically think everything. So it makes snap judgments based on its bias. And so even when you come to doing a piece of, 
of work around, you know, Meghan and Harry, you have a bias. So one of the things you've got to do is go, before I even enter into this, let me be honest with myself. What is my bias and what do I think I'm most likely going to see? And then I would say, how can you um, be purposely agnostic? <laughs> yeah, which is really hard to do. It's like, I'm going to be agnostic on purpose around this. Or if you don't think you can manage that, make sure you write down and you consider the exact opposite of where your bias is and use what if, what if, yeah? These are all critical thinking methods. They're not imaginary. It's not like it's nice to do. It is a critical thinking method to go, I will be purposely agnostic. Like, I just don't care. Doesn't, I need data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the agnostic around, for example, there being an all-encompassing deity. The agnostic isn't saying there isn't. The agnostic is just saying, I, I need to see the evidence. Right. Yeah, you give me uh, the same as, like, if you give me the evidence, I will go, there is a God. If you give me the evidence there isn't, I will go, there isn't a God. At the moment, I don't have a place to be because I don't see the evidence of one or the or the other. Okay, there's no evidence. Okay, that's agnosticism. Sure. So, so I need to enter into that as the agnostic and go, okay, what is the evidence first of all? Well, that's hard work. So, so now, now you got to go. Do I really want to do the work on this, or would I prefer my bias? Because that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with going. I'm super pro Meghan and Harry. Here's what I see. As pro Megan Harry, here's what I see. Because there will be plenty of other people going, you know, I, I purposely hate them. Oh, yeah. And here's what I see. It's like there will be a balance somewhere, but your audience, you, you know, your audience will either get what they wanted or get what they will either get the truth or the lies that they wanted. It's true. Or the truth or the lies that you will sing to your choir. And the choir yeah. will either love your tune or not love your tune. They will accept the truth or the lies. Because we could say, hey, you know that you weren't quite accurate around that. And you know deep down you were biased. And then we could frame that as a lie. And we could go, yeah, but your group bought the lie. Why wouldn't they? Because your group like Meghan and Harry is as well. I, you know, I don't care one way or the other. <laughs> like they're not, they're not my family. They're not, you know, they're not even, well, they are my monarch from, from two countries that I belong to at the moment, but but I don't quite kind of buy into that either too much. I'm relatively agnostic. I have some biases and I could talk about those biases, but here's the thing, I'd be able to talk, I like I gotta I gotta put into words what my bias is, because that brings it fully into my neocortex rather than it's sitting around my social limbic social mammalian limbic brain somewhere yeah affected things behind the scenes that's that that's the whole thing and and so okay so what else um what else do people need to know in order to get their head around truth and lies and and how they can detect them or um the i guess importance of of maybe even like not knowing is okay sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing is great because if you don't know and you can get yourself comfortable with that, you can ask other people. Mm-hmm. That's really key. <laughs> if you can get comfortable about going, I don't know. I don't know about, about this. Like, we, you know, the, we did, um, we did a, a, um, uh, a behavior panel just yesterday 
uh, around Hunter Biden. And, and, you know, what I saw in, in one of the images, I saw great indicators of truth telling, great indicate like really nicely stacked up, mm-hmm. like great indicators of, 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 of truth telling. But I was open with, with, with the other guys going, here's what I see. It's like they're super stacked up of, of really good truth telling. And here's my worry. My worry is I've missed something really important here because this doesn't fit in with everything else that we've been seeing. So I was like, tell me what I'm missing. And they were like, well, you haven't taken this into account and you've not seen this and you've not seen this. And I, ah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's having the ability to go, here's the information that I have. Here's what I'm making out of that at the moment. Now help me. What is it? I don't know. That's critical thinking. Okay. Is is being able to go, give me more information. That's, that's what we do in intelligence is, is we take all the information we can and we put it together to come out with an idea. And then we test the idea to see whether it's, it's accurate. And if it's not accurate, we go back again we start looking at all the information we come up with a new idea and then we test the idea to see if it's accurate and that way we get closer and closer to to the facts to to accuracy i would say exactly oh i love it i love it okay mark i tell you what i don't want to take up your whole day so um how can people get a hold of you yeah, easy. Truthplane.com. T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E. Just go to truthplane.com. You'll find me there. Link in with me as well, Mark Bowden. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Easy to find. Or just go to your friendly Google and put in the words Mark Bowden, B-O-W-D-E-N, and up I will come. You'll find there me. There you go. Very good. Thank you so much, Mark. You are Pleasure. awesome. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.